Hey, uh, gang. What are we doing tonight? Crickets? Well, Fine. hopefully uh, introducing ourselves. Yeah, uh, we're on the Bards and the Bees, since everybody else apparently dropped the ball, or maybe I rushed in. Whatever. Um, <laughs> we're doing a, a, another kind of challenge-type deal, where we're going to mash a bunch of different uh, media that we enjoy together and try and come up with campaign premises. Who, who all is here? It's I, so. Dave the Creator. <laughs> hey, Danny's it, here too. Crap! <laughs> uh, my name is Trevor. Synchronicity. We got yeah, it. and so this is going to be a time where, once again, we roll initiative at the beginning instead of the end because we can't make up our minds, but really it's for a good reason. We need to figure out who... We all came up with four ideas. Um, and we're going to roll dice and then pick a partner to kind of brainstorm with. So we need to roll dice to see who's going first. So let's roll initiative, boys. I got 12. I got 12 I got, as well. I got seven. Who, who has the <laughs> higher dex modifier? 15. 15. I broke 12, boys. Apparently the only time I ever roll high is on these challenge episodes. <laughs> I didn't fall down the stairs today, so I have a pretty solid dex. Nice. Uh, That's a strong argument. What's your rebuttal, Trev? <laughs> uh, I run stairs every day. I'm a mailman. That's strength, dude. Uh, or constitution. <laughs> constitution is probably a better I feel one. like it should be something like, who had to wipe the least today? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. I pooped three times, so probably not me. I don't know about you barbarians, but I own a bidet. So. I also own a bidet. <laughs> They're so nice, dude. It's very oh. in right now. That's very trendy. Yeah, clean buttholes. Who would have thought? Right. No need to brag. <laughs> uh, Dave, I will let you go first. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Notice, notice the I will let you. <laughs> I will allow you, peasant. <laughs> so, I guess I need to pick a partner. Um, so, while, while Mason is thinking about his strategy, what we're going to attempt to do today is take some 10-minute chunks of time. And one of the cool things about D&D &D and other tabletop RPG things is that you can kind of do whatever you want with them. If you have some creativity, if you can mish and mash some genres. So... Each of us has picked four um, either genres or um, like titles or book series or something that we're, or television shows, some media that we're pretty familiar with. And the person who goes first will roll a D4, which will select one of their chosen things. And then they get to pick a partner to go with them. And they will also roll a d4. So we'll have two random things get mashed together. And we'll have to try to talk about how that could make a D&D &D campaign or an adventure um, or a cool setting. Uh, so that's what we're going to try and get away with. Trevor, real quick, just as an example, and Mason, feel free to join in. 
just to give an example, like you've obviously drawn on a lot of stuff in the past for our campaign, mm-hmm. and I've picked up on some of it. I think we all have. Would you say there are any in particular you love to and regularly draw from? Just to give an example, before we list really crazy genres we all <laughs> Yeah, we may have, we may have dug a hole too deep for ourselves. One that I have used a lot in personal campaigns has been like the Mass Effect slash Dragon Age model where you have a home base and you keep coming back and every time you come back, there's some little nuance, interpersonal things happening or there's some sort of advancement happening. Um, Like that can feel really cool. So in in D&D, the obvious thing is give your players a base and then give them hirelings that are useless at first, that become more and more competent as they adventure and they invest in their hirelings. Uh, that feels really cool uh, because you'll give them this dopey person that's like, oh, well, I ain't never hold a, held a sword before, my lord. I, I don't think I could be a fighter. And then by the end, he's running around. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Like well, keeping a dragon from attacking the home base. Like, I just want to uh, say, uh, pro tip: don't adopt children and then just casually forget they exist because that is child abuse. That's the that's the Skyrim <laughs> model of that's parenting. The Skyrim model. Turns out it's not successful. I just left them in the woods. They seem fine. There's lots of butterflies and cheese wheels. They were within a mile of a berry bush. <laughs> this one came back with a skeever. I haven't seen my dad in three years. <laughs> uh, so I I pull from things in a variety of different ways. I've done sort of the formulaic thing where Trevor, you know, you, you, you there's a formula that feels good, so you borrow that. Um, I do that a lot with my dungeon design, where I I love Metroid games. I love that whole genre of there's just a big dungeon and you get new tools and re-encounter enemies in new ways. I think it's just such beautiful design for games, right? It lets the players grow more powerful to beat the enemies, but also the players learn the enemies. So they grow powerful in two different ways. Um, So I've used that a ton and Mm -hmm. and try and use that as any time I design a dungeon. Um, And then for like story beats, I've mentioned before, I literally ran a Mad Max campaign. I've made yeah. a rule set to emulate Mad Max and create that vibe with the 5th edition framework. Um, and then, honestly, the, I've been thinking about it more lately, and I think, honestly, reading The Wheel of Time gave me a huge... It was hugely influential in just the way I think about events in a game, mm-hmm. where there, there just are things... Basically, there are plots afoot that are going to progress... And then the players stumble upon them and interact with them. Yeah, whether the camera's go. on it or not, there's still yeah. stuff happening in the world. It, it, it really just helped me broaden to that scope a little bit earlier than I think I would have as, as a GM. Because that's, that's really what makes the place feel alive, right? And, mm. and by just kind of creating these threads and putting them out there and then letting the players crash through the spider web, you know exactly how the entire world's going to kind of twist around them. And it, it really empowers the players to feel like they are making true choices um which is really cool i love this because already you and trevor i'm like already picking up on like mechanics 
and how that all translates in these systems where I feel like I'm a narrative and flavor guy. Yeah. And I kind of feel mm-hmm. like David's very similar to that, too. That's all I do, man. So I'm really excited to see <laughs> the clusterfuck we create today. <laughs> so with that, Danny, roll a d4. <gasps> me? Yeah. You picked uh, me? This is going to be great. Uh, here we go, boys. So for the first five minutes, they're going to hash out what their horrifying baby is going to be. And then in the last five minutes, we'll all kind of jump in and talk about what tweaks and changes and maybe mechanics and other things we could slap onto it to make it run as a campaign or adventure. So it's ironic that I mentioned Mad Max because I did put it on my list and I did just roll it. (laughs) So whatever you brought is visiting the post-apocalypse, my friend. Alrighty, well, um, I brought Borderlands to the table. (laughs) And I'm kind of bummed because I feel like that's my most boring option. (laughs) It's the first one I wrote down, but I love it. That's so funny because they're so similar. They are so so similar similar. because mine is literally Mad Max with aliens. Yeah, Yeah, Mad Max in space. So what... I can roll again. (laughs) No, I kind of like it. Let's think of like what things make This will be a good first one, yeah. We can think about what makes them different, right? You read my mind. Just like really digging apart what makes them separate and how to play those up. Because the big difference for me between the two is tone, right? Where where Borderlands is is effectively satire on on how crappy people can be. Where Mad Max is commentary on it. And, And... the, the key theme through all the Mad Max media is that people are will are effectively the ultimate resource that will eventually run out. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, and to me, like, Mad Max is, like, how fucked up people can be. And yeah. Get, and Borderlands is how funny it is how fucked up people can yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> the whole thing can kind of play that tension, right? Um, and so how do, how do we encourage that? Do And... One question is, like, setting. Do we even care about the setting of those two influencing what we're actually going to do with the story? Right? Because we can be influenced by something without absolutely being like, yes, these are obviously both set in kind of desert wastelands. Let's bring that in. We can be like, no, nah, dude, mm-hmm. we just want the theme. Do we want to do that? Do we want to bring in the everything? I think I would like that because while we're rolling for two different things we're mashing together, in reality, we're mashing three things together, and that's your thing, my thing, and... D&D, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. gameplay. Dungeons, dragons, wizards, spells. Yeah. And so I would love hanging on to the setting because that's okay. giving a bit more panache. You have to have one, <laughs> you might as well bring it gameplay, in. Yeah. Right? And if it is like, maybe not you're taking a spaceship to all these different planets where you have some basically mini little levels. Yeah. It's maybe you're taking... Um, expedited teleportation spells um, to some little places where you're visiting, trying to unlock these vaults. Because that's the other thing is the motive. The motive in Max and the motive in Borderlands are different. Mine's treasure hunting, right? And and Mad Max is all about survival and and, and typically Mm -hmm. the framework is there's a stability that exists and early on in Act 1 that gets disrupted. And it's all about rectifying that. You know, the, the car gets yeah. crashed in Fury Road. He needs a new ride. And then other things happen. Um, in Road Warrior, he needs gas. He, he needs to mm-hmm. be able to continue moving. Um, and so then the adventure is all about resolving that conflict. And so 
we have treasure hunters that quite possibly need this treasure in order to accomplish some other goal. Adding on to that, in the Mad Max franchise, though, it's always he has something he has to get, and then there's helpless people he caves in and always yeah. helps along the way. So maybe the goal is the treasure, but being but, the vigilante superhero forced yeah. into a role of morality. I love that. Because that, cause it's almost as if the we could kind of play that tension in the tone, right? Where the, char- mm-hmm. the party... All, it is sort of the conscience of the world and the world is like so comedically messed up <laughs> that the players can't Seriously. help but laugh but their their characters are in in a way almost obligated to play it straight so like they kind of are the straight men in the in the comedy hmm. I, I would that would be a very fun table to be at i think that would be fun um, um i had one more idea i'll throw in there uh-huh. and that is the loot system in borderlands Yes. How me asking you, somebody who's much more familiar with systems and mechanics, how do we work in that loot system where you're constantly is is that experience? Is that um, there's a bunch of ways you could items? play it. The is way that, that kind of sounds the way it sounds interesting to me is you you keep the the, the amount of XP you're getting fairly low. And the number of levels you're getting fairly low. Because that'll kind of keep it where you're kind of succeeding against all odds. While being totally bad at it, right? Um, and and the main... Co- you could almost make where the main source of progression is just magic items. Right? The, the gear mm-hmm. you get powers you up more than the levels you get. So you still level up. But you get more loot than you get levels. And, and kind of flip yeah. the, the game a little bit on its head there. Where normally you get more levels than loot. Um, I think that could be kind of interesting, shake it up a little bit, keep it feeling a little bit on the gritty side, because they're both sort of a little gritty, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely I gory. I think that could be cool. Yeah, definitely gory, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. would require a lot of note-taking from the party yeah. players and yeah. the DM. So we just hit the five-minute mark. Um, <gasps> so <laughs> let's transition into, like, we have some things put down so like what what is an adventure what's a story that we can tell in this this space um and i had an idea that hit me like pretty much as soon as you said that uh as far as the setting goes i would propose that it's a split world when something happens it sends you from the comedy borderlands world to the serious dark gritty survival world and the party is made up of people from both worlds. What if, um, what uh-huh. if it's as simple as like perception, where like basically, almost like a sanity system from like a Cthulhu type game. Yeah, but instead it's, it's basically like magic, and magic is like cocaine. So, and so as long as you you have magic available to be used, everything's like pretty funny mm-hmm. and, and lighthearted. But the second you're like out of juice for the day boom, you come crashing down and you're like, man, this world sucks. (laughs) I like that, especially with both having survivalist aspects Mm -hmm. to them. If the DM is intentionally having really heavy stuff that is meant to drain the resources of the party. Yeah, because resources are a pretty key thing, right? So it's like you want to save it because you perform better because you're insane, which makes it easier for your character to do stuff. But once you use all your magic to accomplish things easier than, you know, through skill challenge or non-magical combat, then you come crashing down and you, you suffer, like, levels of exhaustion or something. 
which makes it hard to perform or it's even so just like you become paranoid about resources and you, yeah. you will take the mo- you your character will take the most conservative option available yeah like you'd, you'd i'm not like gonna get in a fight i'm gonna hide or run <laughs> like why would yeah. i waste resources why would i take the chance that he gets my water I just wanted to tack on with that insanity idea, tie that into the uh, dual world concept. Like, say you have, uh, when the characters level up, or, or, or some some triggering event happens in the, in the campaign storyline, players can roll versus some kind of insanity and flip, perhaps flip into the other world. Maybe you have some players in one world, the other players in another world they're both coexisting together they just have polar you know different perceptions mm-hmm. going on um and that travels out to all the npcs they run into because one similar concept between those two mediums is almost everybody's insane uh if you look at the storylines people are yeah that's it's true it's super brutal backgrounds and their backgrounds made up who they are now, so as, uh, you'd have some pretty interesting NPCs there. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think too, just story-wise, going back, um, Trevor, you're asking about story-wise. I think I would love it if the DM of whoever's doing this would write it and make it like the obvious goal: you're getting the treasure. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through, it turns into, no, you need to pull these people. And the hints just get bigger and bigger. The goal actually isn't the treasure. It's to help this town or to help mm-hmm. save this one person. So, like, the story arc. Survival. Yeah, the story arc that starts out selfish. And then along yeah. the way, it's like, ah, oh, oh, we kind of like these assholes. <laughs> and yeah. then somehow tricking. I want there to be that tension, though, and the people fighting until they realize, oh, this is the decision we're actually supposed to make. Yeah. Even if they do go get the treasure and then they realize, oh. I mean, you could leave it open-ended and, that, like, the party could literally make a choice, like, as the campaign yeah. is building to a head. And then it's like, do you, do you choose the treasure or do you let this entire town of people burn? Where you know the shopkeepers and blah, blah, blah. That's such a powerful moment in a campaign where you can have that. Um, something I was thinking, as, as a story beat that would be interesting, um, that pulls in a very common theme, uh, kind of, of of both, but especially from Mad Max, where like Mad Max, because everything is gone, it, it is all about you have to kind of move from place to place. Wherever you end up, everything is always temporary. And you can only be in one spot for so long before it's out of resources and you have mm-hmm. to move on and, and having that in the story somehow, whether that's literally you obtain the treasure, right. And reality starts stabilizing, but it's going to take 10 years. So we have to leave and go to the next piece of the treasure. And, and the people that can't leave might be angry. So there's like literally a base defense section at the end of every kind of plot arc. Then you're invested in both the treasure and the NPCs. And so it kind of builds up to that decision point, right? Of people are coming to try and steal a treasure back and they're also attacking the NPCs on the way. Which one do you prioritize in this kind of defense scene? Yeah. Yeah, at the end of every adventure arc, it's you're literally picking up the whole caravan of nomads mm-hmm. and moving them. And you have to find a new location, and there's trials with that. And then once they get settled, you're on to the next piece of the treasure. That would be really fun. Uh, that 
is a little bit past 10 minutes, uh, but I think that was a good discussion. I was really enjoying it. I just want to throw on the name of the campaign would be Border Max. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should name these 10 minute Yes, blurbs. we should name them Border, Border Max. Uh, my, uh, when you guys brought up the loot system of Borderlands and how that would work in D&D, my thought was that whenever you level up, uh, you have to roll and take a level in a random class mm. to, like, mm. really match. The, like, there's something weird about this world or this what has happened to the world to make it desolate that, like, as people experience things, sometimes their memories and skills shift over or something. Because huh. you were talking about making loot the central thing, but you could literally make it where, or even where the loot that you get is a random skill from a class that you're not in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, make cool. random boons. They're, they're yeah. like perks, basically. You get bar- You get the ability to use bardic inspiration until the next time you level up. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know. You get these weird things that happen to you. Those would be sweet. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, well, thank you, Mason. It was lovely to have that brainchild no, with you. It's so funny that they <laughs> ended up so close to each other. I loved that. That was amazing. I thought that, like, initially that hit me as, like, oh, that's basically the same. But the more you guys got into it, it was oh. like, oh, no. Th- like, these things are similar, but still have, there's still daylight between them. And you can still play with that and, mm-hmm. and come up with something interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, who is next? I believe it was David. Yes. Tis I. Okay. So, well, uh, since the other two went, I'm going to choose Trevor. Okay. Good choice. I would have picked him. <laughs> uh, always nice Sorry, to be Mason. picked. Always nice to be picked last. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, here's my D4 roll. Oh, I got the one I wanted. Uh, David, would you please tell me what yours is first? Oh man. Okay, so I just pinched something, but um. <laughs> <laughs> hurts a lot, guys. And I, <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, I have picked. Well, rather, the dice have picked idiocracy. Idiocracy. Yep. Okay. Uh, that is mixed with the Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> so IRL idiocracy. Uh, yeah. That's just real life. Can we roll? Isn't there just a TV channel that's that? <laughs> like three of them? So, so will you explain the premise of, like, Idiocracy real quick? Alright, Idiocracy, um, it is, it was not meant to be prophetic, but unfortunately, the director has said it's prophetic. Um, it is a story about an average soldier who gets lobbed forward in time um, due to a science experiment and he is wakes up in a world where the average IQ has dropped off a cliff and society has adopted to these changes as best as it possibly can. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody the players will meet in this world will be below average intelligence and uh, animalistically aggressive and use words that they don't understand a lot of the times. 
and that misunderstanding will most likely lead them into fights. Okay, so the the way that hits me immediately, uh, mixing with The Bachelor, is we have this adventure, and so all the party members are people that are traveling. They finally figured out time travel, and they're traveling to the future to be like, what's it like? What can we... What can we figure out and bring back with us? Uh, and they all end up on the set of this reality show um, that is set up to find the most uh, like efficient breeding pairs. Uh, so it's set up by the smartest people in the society, which are just like average intelligence. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we re- we gotta start picking the best of the best. We gotta up the quotient. So this whole contest is set up to like pit the strongest and smartest together and put them off into breeding pairs so that they can start <laughs> rebuilding the human race. And so our party showing up there gets put into all these crazy competitions where it's like, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. So it's like, one's a skill challenge, like, literally, like, going on a group date, but, like, as a skill challenge, but, like, everybody's dumb and violent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, others are, like, straight up, like, pit brawls, combat encounters to, like, or obstacle course to prove your physical and mental prowess. <laughs> yeah. And then you so have... it's like this big weird Hunger Games esque competition that the whole party has been thrown into with a bunch of idiots. Well, so like they they should win, but the unpredictability <laughs> of the idiots is what makes it impossible. Um, yeah, like you, you'd be it'd be flamboyant, but in I guess the most uh, cheap kind of tacky way possible uh you know humor would be crude on this show um yeah it'd probably be it probably the tone would probably be more like slapstick and funny there'd be a lot of characters be like i'm sorry what did you say to me (laughs) uh and like taking offense really easily like fights breaking out pretty quickly so the the we we got the setting. The motive is for for the party to get through this dating show. Uh, now, like they're literally they're like locked in a compound. Yeah, they're, like they're with gonna... laser Gatling turrets. Like, <laughs> well, and the greatest thing is is that the people running the compound have no idea how to operate the compound. So they're. You know, oh yeah, it's a to... relic. It's a relic of the time you have traveled from. Yeah. So it's like nobody knows how to use it. It had a very different purpose in the past. So like healing, uh, any type of outside healing the party might search for or decursing anything like that uh, might screw up, you know, calamitously on the party. Oh, that'd um, be fun. So they go to shopkeepers and the shopkeepers are like, this is a plus three sword. Yep. Of avenging glory, and then they get it, and it's just a sword. It's just like, a sword. I, it had pretty writing on it, but they thought it was magic because it had pretty writing on it. Uh, you, let's see. I, don't, I, I think morality would come into play in a very odd, odd spectrum here, because 
Because is it like... is it moral to <laughs> to beat the snot out of somebody who is much less capable than you? No, it's baser than that. Though it's baser than that. These people don't understand what morality is. So it would be like they would subject the party to things that are just terribly, stupidly cruel. Yeah, like I, I imagine these comp- <laughs> like parts of these competitions are just like needlessly mean mm-hmm. and like painful, and it's just like if you survive, I guess you're good enough to make it to the end. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's not it's set up not like The Bachelor, but where people are getting paired off, so there'll maybe be like ten pairs out at, at, at the end out of like five hundred participants. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's five minutes. Danny yeah. and Mason, do you have anything that you <laughs> would I like to add? Can I please throw a twist in this? I've been dying. It's D- so... Do it, do it. Please, please. You, you said the party travels forward in time, Dave. What if yeah. the idiots pull them as candidates for The Bachelor? Ooh, and so the party they're thinks they're the super advanced race and they're confused for the first half of the campaign of like, why are they so dumb if they're so advanced? Oh, that's good. Like, that would be so good, right? No, make, make their stupidity a puzzle. Like, yeah. The, play, the players won't believe that the people are actually that stupid. So they'll Like, think... it's just... A, everything's a test. <laughs> everything's so, a test. Like, it's purposefully yeah, the, an the big The big hinge of the campaign is, like, halfway through when the party just gets fed up with all these idiots talking to them and they break out... They break into, like, the production room mm-hmm. of the... Like where the camera people are, they have confessionals, and, that, and they're like, and they're like shaking somebody down, and he's just like legitimately an idiot, and they're like, "What is happening here?" No, guys, they break yeah. into Costco. They break into Costco. <laughs> oh. oh, I have two things, and it's really hard to add to what you guys already have, but you can't have The Bachelor without. Or any reality TV show without confessionals, right? Oh, yeah. So I think gameplay-wise, at the end of the session, in the middle, at the beginning, maybe all of them, and maybe people roll. I just want everyone's character to roleplay how they're feeling. And a confessional. And maybe it'd be like, what the hell am I doing here? This is stupid. No, okay. What would be a great mechanic for that is everybody everybody rolls... uh, like a D100 at the beginning of the session, and that's how many minutes into the session they have to do their confessional. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So that's they good. just, no matter what's happening, the, the live camera feed would cut to <laughs> the pre, the recorded. <laughs> <laughs> and and part of the way you, like, flavor that is that the, the, the players know they're on a game show, right? They, mm. they just don't know that they're the smart ones, right? Yeah. They don't know that the people don't know how anything works and they pulled them there effectively by accident. And so part of it is like these interviews, right, are, are what help people vote for you to, to be the winner, to save your life, to give you a little boon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that way, like, they, they're trying to talk themselves up. And so it's like not fully authentic the same way it wouldn't be fully authentic in real life. <laughs> oh, man. No, Mason, Mason, each, 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 each player has an audience. Like, that's how yeah. they level up or something. They, they, well, yeah, no, I wanted to say, <laughs> so this plays into the second thing, is The Bachelor's got the rose. Yeah. Right? You get a gift or something, maybe it's inspiration, and maybe you have the players at the end of the session all vote 
uh, as like the audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but maybe so also instead of getting inspiration, they actually get an item or a skill, kind of similar to like we were talking about with the Borderlands, yeah. yeah, loot idea, and it's something that makes you a more formidable opponent in the matchmaking games. Because you you want a little bit of a little bit of comedic interparty tension where only one couple can make it, so yeah, they're they're buddying up and or opposing each other in like friendly rivalries. Because it's it's gonna be fairly tongue in cheek. I think that'd be so good as a way to incentivize that and yeah. drive that until you know. Because we've talked about in, in a campaign, you're not gonna be fully engaged till partway through, mm-hmm. and that gives you a mechanical way to create it until they can do it from their characters instead. I al- I also think. Um... Giving the, the, the some kind of some kind of mechanic where the players can change their stats uh, fairly frequently to match the whims of the crowd. So these these people can barely talk, basically. So the lower the lowest intellect person in the party is initially going to have the largest crowd because he can actually understand what they're saying. <laughs> well, they can understand what he's saying because he's not he's not pontificating and using big yeah. words. You you have like a, a throughout the session just a a showy move thing that like the more successful people are, the they get every time someone is successful at a thing, they get a follower. But mm-hmm. they each week has a favored stat. And so you're oh. like, this week, the crowd is loving oh decks. And That's so beautiful. anything involving decks, it gives you twice as many followers. And then the person at the end of the, the session who oh has the most God. followers gets the, gets the, rose. the rose. Dude, I would play the living hell out of this. This would be so fun. This is so ridiculous. Okay, okay, guys, what's the name? What's the name of this? Uh, oh, shit. Hmm. <sighs> That this is a hard one. It'd be like Earth's least dumb bachelor. Dude, least where's my dumb. bachelor? Dude, where's my bachelor? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There it is. There yes. It is. You, Dude, I did not think we were gonna get to that point that easily. I was getting scared. <laughs> Mason I was like, is it good? I'd like sit up from like, is it actually good? No, that, that is fantastic. <laughs> Let it wash over me. It's resting on my palate. It's amazing. All right, dude. <laughs> where's, what a ride. Okay. Wow. You're That's, welcome. You are welcome, everybody. <laughs> That's going to be our second stream campaign. Oh, yes. Our yeah. second yeah. life. Oh, dude, my God. Is that? Dude, where's my bachelor? <laughs> Like imagine the hard shift from like this this broken world story to dude where's my bachelor? <laughs> Yikes! Uh, that was that was very fun to come up with the story beats for. <laughs> that was beautiful. Okay, well let's keep it moving. That was very fun. I would be super excited to play in that hellhole of a competition <laughs> dating show. But uh, now it's my turn, so it's all about me. And I would like uh, Danny to be my partner. Okay. Can do. Ah, beautiful. Okay. Um, So we will be mixing the gameplay of Dragon Age with... A Quiet Place. 
Oh, shit. <laughs> the movie and the sequel that I just watched this weekend. With hey, my I boyfriend. just watched that, too. Oh, perfect. I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, obviously, A Quiet Place is, like, pretty tense. Um, pretty tense. I mean, Dragon Ages, too. Like, most of the stories involve, like, demons coming up from hell um, or the monsters in the deep finally getting pissed off at the dwarves drilling because, you know dwarves there's enough overlap here then (laughs) um but like the core mechanic i talked about in dragon age is like you the whole idea is that you're like building a coalition you're like building a group of people together uh to do a thing um but also uh you're like trying to get the party that can get the mission done at the end um Mm. in this like high stakes fantasy universe uh, where there's a lot of interpersonal uh, drama going on, uh, mixed with a quiet place, which is like horror uh, and thriller vibes. Definitely, I would also say um, very similar, like survival. We've hit a couple survival mm-hmm. genres tonight. Um, very intense, but specifically survival against ant very aggressive violent enemy Mm -hmm. that there is so little known about and seems to have the evolutionary upper hand okay in a way and i have an idea about that yeah so like the 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 idea where i would bring the the dragon age-ness of it in would be like we have this ragtag group of people and the party is like the fighters, the ones who could maybe actually stand a chance against these things. But they all have to have one or two close friends or family that are like helpless that we're trying to take care of. So awesome. Then, so like that's like the home base is like we're trying to take care of these people anytime we fuck up and bring the monsters. And so the monsters could literally be like, similar to the quiet place monsters where certain activity will draw yeah. them. Um, and it'd have to be like, you know, uh, D specific. Um, so it could be if a high enough magic spell gets cast, they'll, were, they'll yeah. run to the, to that spot and just start fucking shit up. You read my mind. That's exactly where I was going was that they are magic sensing monsters. Mm-hmm. And, and like that, they detect you through their main sense. Mm-hmm. And then oh, we could just flavor it like everybody in the world has a little bit of magic. So you could make it so that every player has to at least multi-class into a class that has spells. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, if they cast a level one spell... They they just roll a saving throw to see if the monsters are close enough, uh, but that saving throw is much higher to beat if it's a seventh level spell. If it's a seventh level, that's a great idea. I think the other thing building on that is it would have to have been a society that was heavily dependent on magic in the first place. Because in a quiet place, mm-hmm. it wipes everything out because we use our voices. We use sound so much. Yeah. 
And it would have to be a very heavily magic-based society. And maybe even, like, transportation. It evolved to a point where, like, normal stuff, like, just... Yeah, there's not, like, a cart. There's no carts. It's just, like, everybody teleported everywhere. Or flew everywhere. And so... Which immediately brings monsters. Yeah. So, now everybody's having to, like, relearn basic survival skills. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's this, like, the early campaign is just, like, really roughing it and, like, trying to be stealthy and hide from these monsters, but also learn about them. And so, like, throughout the campaign, they'll learn some tricks that help them beat the monsters, whatever they are. going along with that, they would have a key weakness, just like the monsters in A Quiet Place. Yeah. Right? And then you find out that weakness, and then you're trying to get that coalition together of all these frightened-ass people. Yeah. (laughs) And realize, no, no, we have the answer. We can fight back. No, that I think that could be a really dope idea for this campaign. It's just like you'd like at the beginning of the campaign, you only know that seven people are alive. You know, the party mm-hmm. and seven other people. And that's you don't know if any other survivors are out there. And so you're trying to search for supplies, you're trying to search for solutions to your problems. Uh, whether those are interpersonal or whether those are survival related. And then as the campaign scales up, it's like, oh, how do we take the fight to the monsters? So like by the time you hit, you know, 10th level, you can maybe fight a couple of the monsters head on. But up until then, like most of your things are trying to run away from them or like you're able to beat the baby ones or whatever. That Hmm. is about five minutes, just so you know. Okay. Do you guys have anything to add to that? got anything dave um i almost died so i saw are you okay a, yeah no fun 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 biology flaws but um let's see so it's motive... like i have two yeah take take two okay uh two things and they actually go really well hand in hand i think this would be a sweet hex crawl mm-hmm because you want like a lot of uncertainty. A hex crawl is where you the GM literally comes with a map, and there's one hex on the map, which is their base, and everything else oh. is blank. And then they pick a direction, and they go and they explore. Because they, it, it's sort of a directionless goal of we need to figure out a way to survive, and find uh-huh. survivors, and find supplies. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is great. Yeah, so and if the- they find if they find a clue about another civilization... It would reveal the hex where that civil, where that yeah. possible other civilization is, but not anything in between. Okay. The the other things I think would go really well with this. You mentioned you know magic is the trigger, which I absolutely was reading your minds there as well. Um, instead of like they make a save when they cast a spell, instead the monster is a certain distance away, uh... or monsters are for each hex. Like a more dangerous hex, they are closer easier hexes are farther away mm. and each time you cast a spell they move that many steps towards you a first level spell is one step a, a cantrip would have to be like a half a step a sixth level spell is, a, is six steps towards you they move that much towards you so then the players know every time they use magic they are guaranteed closer to disaster mm-hmm. oh that makes more sense because in a quiet place you make a noise they can come to that area yeah, yeah. you're you... guaranteed that tension right yeah. There's no like, oh, it's it's okay. It's only like a 20% chance. It's like, no, they are closer now. I don't care. How, if you cast 10 first level spells, you're just as screwed as if you cast two fifth. It doesn't matter. 10 steps is 10 mm. steps. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like kind of making that clear through early gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think it would be important for everybody to be some sort of caster. Yes. Um, because like it, if we're talking about the fall of magic society, everybody would probably be at least some sort of paltry caster, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, build up from there. But with that, that means you have to put them in situations where, you know, their casting is necessary. There has to be high danger, very high danger. I agree, because I think part of what is attractive about this is the whole survival. You have to figure it out. You have to Mm -hmm. probe and find those weaknesses and put yourself in danger. But if it's too heavy, there's going to be really hard adoption in the group. I would be so turned off if it's just way too hard and I get way too frustrated in the yeah the, yeah that's a that's a fun issue to play with and the dm of this campaign uh would definitely have to tweak that throughout the game this wouldn't be just a static difficulty i uh, now going off that i would say <clears throat> uh power level i uh, i think it'd be very interesting if different schools of magic interacted with these monsters in different ways so, uh, maybe maybe conjuration pulls them in, like gives them bonus movement speed, or illusion, um, if used right, maybe detracts from their movement speed. You know, stuff like that. A fun twist would be, uh, just to the overall storyline, have have the party slowly figure out what these things are. Um, maybe they're the original like art maguses of this super high high powered high magic society, or uh, I guess you could follow the movie. They're they're aliens or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So something like that narratively would be cool. The speaking of like you mentioned, Trevor, you, you know everyone would need to be a caster. I would say everyone has to start as a full caster. They need to have spells right at level one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that does, though, is that because they're full casters, full casters, in 5th edition D&D at least, only ever get two skills at level one except for bards. And I would probably ban bards, honestly. Much as that might... like I would ban a lot of stuff, right? Um, <laughs> just because it's supposed to be survivally and like there's a lot of knowledge that has been lost. Bards inherently have a lot of knowledge and skill and versatility without their magic you want them to be reliant on their magic so being like wizards and sorcerers and the like you know arcane casters even maybe even warlocks forces them to not have much they can do without their magic mm-hmm. and then later on you know you can say level three and beyond you can multi-class to something non-magic because you guys have relearned some old things maybe they find tomes or whatever as they're exploring mm-hmm. or they're just they straight up they've, they've spent a year fighting shit by hand yeah. and so they can take a level and fighter now yeah and so then they can move away from magic if they want to mm-hmm. um but there, that's an easy way to regulate that difficulty is make it like doable but you're forced to use magic and it's like a, a, a back and forth but then later if they don't want to deal with that they can drift away from it mm-hmm. um you also want to reward people that stuck with casters. Yes. Uh, definitely. Yeah, there the needs, like like I said, like when you reach like halfway through this adventure or campaign, whatever it, whatever the scope of it is, if it's an adventure, you know, just have it be like a eight 
session adventure where they level up, you know, three, maybe four times. And then Mm -hmm. by the end of it, the people who stuck with Caster the whole way, like about halfway through, they figure out some secret that lets them actually use their magic effectively against these creatures. Yeah. I want to throw in one more thing, but I don't know if there's time. Um, Just for Dragon Age, I want to say that instead of them being an alien species for flavor, um, there is a whole cult that thinks that God cursed humanity and that there is a religion that you are also fighting that thinks that this is happening because we used magic too much. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a, bu- something like it's a that. bunch of quote-unquote normies, you know, that, <laughs> that aren't really being affected by... So you might run into a community of people who are completely non-magical, who have all gathered... And they were to- used as slaves or something. Yeah, and, they, and they're like, yeah, we don't... We will call these creatures and have them kill you. <laughs> and so as soon as you bump into, like, another sanctuary of humans, they also are like, we hate you... Um, yeah so so there'll be different type (laughs) there'll be you'll run into different kinds of survivors where they're the ones who are actively trying to kill you and there are other ones who are also magic users that are like what the fuck is going on man yeah that'd be fun yeah that would that there's so many cool ideas out there and I hope that somebody picks up one of these and just does it and then like gets back to us and, and tells us how awesome it is. Cause as much as I love all these, we're not going to have time to do all of them. Um, but th- this is just to help show that, you know, if there's things you're passionate about, you can, you can mash them together and you can hit the ground running with a lot of really cool ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that is up to Danny, Danny to take the lead on one. Okay, well, I feel lucky because I'm going to be in three of these now. But, David, I've been wanting to pick you from the beginning. Oh, thank you. Ooh. <laughs> Let's do this. Just because I know you're going to... You're you're my flavor, brother. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, I guess I'm, I only get two options now. <clears throat> and I, I already rolled that one. Okay. Well, for the last ten minutes... Um, David, would you mind sharing yours first? Yeah, uh, I got, well, it's, I got the thing. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And we are going to mash that with Schitt's Creek. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Dude. David, do you want to take some time to explain yours, and I'll take some time to explain yeah. mine and what we're both thinking we can incorporate. Yeah, so the thing is a... Man, it's it's my favorite horror movie. It's uh, body horror. You've talked about it a couple times. Horror, yeah. Uh, to me, it's, it's a master craft, so if you're interested, go watch that. But the summary is... Um, an alien frozen in Antarctica gets unthawed by an isolated um, archaeology team or something. And uh, this organism can adapt to any, adapt and mimic any life form it touches um, perfectly. So the dog 
alien. Uh, your coworkers could be an alien. It can also branch off and split. Like if it's cut up, it just creates a new form of itself. So you never know if you're talking to an alien or your friend. Perfect. And also, if I remember correctly from what you've talked to me about the thing, it doesn't have a happy ending. It Correct. Has, or it has a very open ending. It's a very open ending. Uh, it's still talked about today. Nobody knows... Nobody knows how it ends. Did the creature die, or is it still there? Mm. <clears throat> so, so, very heavy on psychological horror. Um, makes you think. Very dark, very claustrophobic scene. Isolated. Uh, makes you question anybody you formerly trusted. And exposes you to... Uh, the, atrocities okay that gives me an idea that makes me feel good okay <laughs> so immediately i'm gonna gesture that the tone should be comedy because and it's ironic after i picked a quiet place i am a sissy bitch <laughs> i cannot handle horror which is why i never watched this beautiful masterpiece david is talking to me about but schitt's creek it is a family that was once rich and they lose all their money because of racketeering they're the man who handled their finances they get stuck in this town in the middle of nowhere they're miserable because they everyone is so simple and nice <laughs> to them <laughs> but during it they also discover each other and themselves as a family again and they reach a happy ending at the end of the show my motion is immediately mashing these two together not the Antarctic. I want the setting to be a small town, almost paradise, where it seems like everything's just really blissfully ignorant. People don't demand that much. They don't want that much from life. Mm -hmm. And this family gets stuck there. Eventually realizing there's a monster or monsters, and they can't trust each other or the townspeople. But the motive of the campaign is to escape. Maybe they're trapped there physically, maybe magically. But the original party that enters has to be together and leave. Okay. Where that gets tricky, I think, is those people are your players, right? Mm -hmm. So this would turn into a whodunit campaign. Uh, it would. I, I think. I think the best way to do this from a DMing perspective is to uh, take basically it take a little legwork on the DM's part, but you would kind of set up a brief story for each of your characters, kind of why they're here. They could all part of be part of the same family, like in Shit's Creek. Their circumstances, what landed them here, and all that. But then. Uh, I don't know, you'd have, you'd somehow choose the player that you wanted, perhaps you liked the character they made, something like that, but keep it purely anonymous, and say, hey, this is happening to you. And you're the thing. You're, you, you're the thing. <laughs> and you have the capability of murdering everybody around you, but you also, your primary goal is to survive. So... I would, I would also say this is maybe a, 
maybe a mid-level campaign because I would like mm. everybody around them to be very competent in what they're doing, very capable. So it forces the player to kind of think outside the box, so to speak. Uh, and then in the event that... I would say there'd have to be multiple of them because as I guess as a DM, I wouldn't want them trusting the populace either. Uh, you'd have to set up periodic, you know, brutal scenes of violence. An NPC on NPC, so to speak. Very stark contrast to the placid <laughs> storybook but, theme. But here's the beautiful thing is, is whatever they're in, say it's like, I don't know, somebody's testing a symbiote on them or something, but whatever it is, whatever violence that takes place either gets immediately like erased after it's done or or everybody remembers it in like some comedic fashion like the player that just got torn yes. apart by the thing is like oh you know he tripped and fell into the wood chip or the clumsy oaf <laughs> you read my mind because that's the other thing about Chits Creek is all they want to do is get out of there and everyone's like why this place is great yeah, yeah. Like... Uh, so we we hit the five minute mark uh perfect because i want to bring you guys yeah. in so, something i thought would be interesting is I, I do like the idea of possibly having a player be one of them i think that might be hard to manage as a as a dm because I have a for that when you're done uh it, it could be hard to manage so my out would be like uh, you, it, the the family or the adventuring party, they got in trouble, and they get sent to this town for community service, <laughs> and that's the reason they're stuck here. And so it's these posh like noblings that are like quote unquote they went out to pretend to be adventurers, but really they're like retainers have been carrying them uh. around and killing shit for them, and then they get sent to do community service. Uh, but you could literally just like. They get sent to this town, and then there is another party that is doppelgangers of them doing shit in their name and getting them in trouble. And so they're they're like trying to constantly figure out this other group, but then the party occasionally will get infiltrated by those doppelgangers. by some metric (laughs) and so it's just like then everybody in the party has a chance to be the thing Uh uh that just this just that just brought it from like (laughs) eight to ten i had like they they can't they literally are like magically compelled there's some magic item that keeps them here until they compute their community service but every shitty every shitty thing their doppelganger (laughs) does adds to their time time. (laughs) i i had a similar idea that leans more into just like sitcom roots yeah um where you do like a gilligan's island thing literally it's like the perfect island paradise they're stuck on an island Mm -hmm. and each you do it like sitcom episode by episode things change (laughs) where like each session is just a new escape attempt and that way you can have a different player be the thing each session Mm -hmm. because then at the end it's like oh you rascal the thing you're trying to keep us here and then next se- next session, it's a different player that's the thing. And the fun thing about all of this is, uh, for the DM, is, is the thing, its primary goal is survival. Right? It wants to get out of community service as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it'll work with the group up into a point. Yep. 
But yep. if there's an opportunity, it'll take the opportunity. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So like all of a sudden you're like doing this, you're you know doing something with the group. You you are going through this goblin war in and making sure the goblins are cleared out so the community is no longer heckled by them. But then there's an object of power, and everybody goes, "All right, let's take a minute and breathe." And then somebody in the party is just like, <laughs> and they're like, "It's him." <laughs> And then you beat the shit out of the doppelganger and then find the normal person. And it person. might not even be the doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the great thing is, like, again, you can lean on the sitcom roots and be like, every session, whatever happened, full reset. Someone's dead doesn't matter. They're back alive. Exactly. Yeah, right. You, you can just lean into that and be like, yeah, you literally tore a person apart. doesn't matter. They're back. Were they a thing? Who knows? <laughs> and, and so then one of the rules for escaping is that the party has to escape without the thing. Ah. So if someone is, you know, each session or every so many sessions, the thing, they have to detect them and get their old party member back before they escape. Yeah. So then they're, oh, they're, man. it forces the whodunit in, right? And then, because then they have to be actively looking for it. And so like, oh, it'll happen when it happens. It's like, no, that if be- you don't <laughs> figure it out, you're screwed. And so then you can, the GM can like have a week where no one's the thing. But they all think they're the thing. <laughs> Especially if you put a limit on it. If you're like, this is a five-session campaign. If you're not mm-hmm. out, and it's all of you without mm-hmm. the thing, you lost. Yes. And, that, and that'd be a very good, like, uh, false ending, where they get out, and they, like... So it's just writ all these noblings, and they get sent to this town by themselves without their servants and they get out and they're finally like oh chauncey it's been so long and then one of the other party members literally opens in half and eats chauncey and it's like they get snapped back in yep and they immediately get ported back in and they're like oh it's not over bitches you failed and it could be like literally every time they get out like some new scene like that happens yes and then they get sucked back in like an old point and click game where they just have like the most absurd deaths yeah Yeah, but but them getting sucked in is just more community service like you always have to remind Uh. them that they're doing community service not jail time not anything else it's just Stupid community service. God. These are... Guys, I'm proud of these. (laughs) These are good. (laughs) These are good. I propose the name for this one. It's Shifts Creek. That's good. We forgot to name the last one. Oh, we did. Trev. Ooh. Ooh, The the Dragon Age. The A Quiet Age. (laughs) (laughs) A Quiet Age, yeah. That's good. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> no, it has to be a silent age because si- the silent, silent spell, spell is casting other spells. I agree. Spells. Yep. 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 I agree. Okay. <clears throat> Love it. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so the basic idea is if you like a thing and your friends like a thing, if you're running a campaign, if you're the DM and you really are jazzed about this idea, but your party is like, ah, but we wanted to do something with more survival. Cool. You're playing a Final Fantasy slash survival simulator in D&D. You can figure out ways to make that work. You can come up with quick mechanics. Mm -hmm. Like, we threw tiny mechanics onto almost every one one of these with the Bachelor one (laughs) and Idiocracy. We just said at the end of the episode, everybody will get awarded amounts of followers based on what they did and then 
the person with the most fo- followers gets a treasure or a magic item or experience. Yeah. With with the quiet place thing, the mechanic we threw on was, you know, depending on what level spell you cast, draws the monsters closer at a certain rate. Um, so like those are pretty simple mechanics that you but can. But pretty cu- unique. Yeah, that that like add to the flavor, um, and that like fifth edition D and D is something that is very adaptable to plug and play. Mm-hmm. And then if you realize that something feels unbalanced. You can easily go, eh, like, we'll make the monsters come a little bit slower or a little bit faster if you felt like it wasn't yeah. tense enough. They're they're all super lightweight and easy to track because that's the big thing when you add a new mechanic to a game is like it's really easy to forget about because it's the only time you've ever used it. And these are, you know, the the monsters in the uh, a quiet age or a silent age, they're the whole thing. You know, nothing really happens till they show up and make things worse. So mm-hmm. you're constantly thinking about them, and the players are too. In the the Bachelor one, it's just yeah, you at the end of every session you do a thing, and so it's it's at a place it's easy to remember. These aren't Ooh. hard, gonna bog down your game stuff. Can can I mash two things together that we proposed from different <laughs> things? Because I think the Silent Age campaign would be really good if it was really brutal and like high lethality and so it could be like every time a player uh, the party gets killed they get flashed back to the last time they were safe but they still have all the knowledge that they did from before mm. uh, so they're like like make it really deadly like the like if they get caught by the monsters they can get owned but then like like in the thing uh th- the thing thing that we did uh <laughs> where they get sucked back and everything returns to status quo that could be interesting in a lot of different campaigns if oh, you yeah. just want to keep things moving forward but still have it be lethal you can be like oh you made a mistake you guys get flashed back to the last save point and one npc has died <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, to still make it tense npcs are your lives <laughs> so uh, Ooh, that's brutal are we do we want to read off our other ideas? Perhaps just just give give any listeners inspiration. Yeah, it sounds fun. Uh, um, mine were my other two that we didn't use were the Legend of Zelda and the Halo series. Mm. I uh, knew Halo was gonna be on there. Oh, dude, I fucking I'm a Halo fanboy. <laughs> yeah, uh, mine were Dark Souls, of course, and uh, Shocker and Portal. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Story-wise or physics-wise? Either one. Mm. What'd you have, Danny? Um, mine was the Olympics. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes! Those are good. Mine are... Weirdly, we got my only one that is, like, a specific thing. My other three are mostly just kind of a concept that can easily be spun into something very unique. Um... One is, like, a, a mercenary company, but it's all, like, kind of medium-future mech suit type stuff, where, like, you got to maintain your, your mech, because um, I've been reading the Lancer rule book, and it looks really mm. good. Mm. Um, the other one's just a mega dungeon. And when you said portal, I was like, a portal-based mega dungeon would be amazing. Because mm-hmm. um, mega dungeons specifically are the whole quest, um, for those mm-hmm. that are not... Uh, familiar with those that's like diablo yeah the diablo series uh the original game 
Yeah, where, where you just keep going deeper and deeper into a specific location, and then you go back to a base to recoup, and then we come back, it has changed. Yeah. Um, hmm. Which, that's a really fun idea to mash with anything. And the, hmm. the last one is almost purely narrative, which is just the hero's journey. An aspect of the hero's journey that I love is not like, oh, the, 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 the plot points they mention, but the, the hero's journey is about you leave your home and go to someplace new that is unfamiliar, and then you master it, and at the end of the story you return, and ho- you don't fit in home anymore. Um, the Hobbits from Lord of the Rings are a classic example of this, mm-hmm. where they, they don't fit in with the other Hobbits anymore. PTSD's yeah. a bitch. Anyways, <laughs> isn't yeah. that what we're doing, Mason, Trevor? All of our characters have kind of gone through the hero's journey, or are going through the hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly why, like, the hero's journey is the monomyth. Uh-huh. But when it, it's, it's an interesting way to approach thinking mm-hmm. about a concept, oh, yeah. right? Is mm-hmm. is what separates what they're used to to what they're not used to, and it changes the way you think about it in, in a cool way. I just we need to just open a phone line where people can call us for campaign inspiration <laughs> because I would talk about this shit oh, for days. days. I just don't have the time to run it all. Well, uh, can we can we please do a follow up episode where we talk about ways to make it happen once once you have the idea? Yeah, yeah I think I think that's important. Uh, implementation um, <clears throat> ideas are cheap. Like, yeah, every everybody every idea that we've had tonight, somebody has probably already thought of. Or something similar to it, you know. And the person who actually does it and gets it in front of people is going to be the person that's remembered for it. Um, so I think, yeah, Mason makes a good good point of like having a follow up episode of like, cool, let's pick one of these ideas we came up with tonight and then just run with it. Yeah. Mm. And go. How do we actually make that into like a eight episode adventure? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I just want to tack on to that. Um, I I find I get way more inspiration just talking to myself like an absolute crazy person, like out loud. I'll just talk to myself, verbalize the idea, and then just bounce mm-hmm. ideas off myself. If you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of, um, yeah. But that, that's, I mean, it's a good way to do things. Also. The Bachelor with Portal, I think, would be a great campaign. Oh, man. <laughs> Which companion cube is right for you? <laughs> that, dude, that would be fabulous. Oh, amazing. Well, I think that's going to be it for yeah. the Bards and Bees this week. Thank you guys for hanging along if you liked our ideas let us know if you thought that our implementation of them was bad and you could do it better let us know i would love to hear how you take the idiocracy (laughs) bachelor (laughs) mashup and do it in an interesting way uh like this stuff is really my jam i like having goofy ideas like this and figuring Mm -hmm. out like how it could be a fun adventure so like this really like lit me up and got me excited to like figure out what's going to happen in our personal campaign next Sam, I'm probably not going to sleep for a while <laughs> <laughs> no this is great this is this is mental crack for me so.